Okay, well, Melissa, it's the end of October. We made it. We made it. and I, I don't know what we made it to, but we made it here. <laughs> Absolutely, Kyle. I don't. I don't uh, like. I don't know how we're we're gonna enter. We're just about to enter the last quarter of this year. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Well, the and the last quarter of the year is oh, always. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's always a busy one for us. We have a lot mm-hmm. of things that we're. You know, we've we've talked over the last several months about how we've been so busy this fall, which is true. We've had a lot of events this fall, but um, there are a lot of like big things that we as a staff are working on in this last quarter of the year. Obviously, we're getting ready for a world conference, which is the most exciting. But mm-hmm. it also marks the end of our membership year. Um, and, you know, like we have some charitable giving opportunities coming up towards the end of the year as well. So we'll cover all of that after we get to our interview today. Um, but we are really excited to I say that, I think, in every episode that we're excited, but it's really true. Um, we're always super grateful for the quality of guests that are willing to join us uh, on this little show that we do. But we are really excited to be joined today um, by two CMA members who have given a lot of their time and talent and energy um, toward the work that has been done on the CMA Research Committee and some of their their specific projects. So today we're diving in and we're going to talk metrics and our recently released Universal Key Club Performance Indicators White Paper and Case Study. That is a mouthful, I know, but we're going to dive into it and we're going to talk to the experts who worked on this and they're going to break it down for us. Melissa, do you want to talk a little bit more about what these KPIs are and who we're going to be chatting with today? Sure. So the the KPIs are really designed to have a to give you a high level picture of the financial health, um, including all the major components of a club. And we're going to dive into that with our amazing two experts, um, who are the co-chairs of the task force. I think it's really interesting to know that this is a a process that's been going on for more than two years. This task yeah. force has been working diligently. And is made up not only of CMA members, but industry ex- industry and financial experts. And they've really done a, a yeoman's job of really looking at everything um, from the practical side um, and really making sure that the information that, that they're sharing in the white paper and the, the subsequent case study are helpful. You know, we're not just talking about an exercise in checking the box of once a year, let me check these six KPIs. Right and be done. It's really much more um, about management philosophies, about club philosophies, and under, not only telling your story, but understanding your story. And there's so many benefits to that. So the two amazing experts we have with us today are Julie Brown, CCM, CPA, CMA, CSCA, and Michael Wheeler, MCMCCE. Um, in their day jobs, Julie is the Chief Financial Officer at Beautiful Farmington Country Club out in Charlottesville, Virginia. And Michael Wheeler is the Chief Operating Officer and General Manager of Cherokee Town and Country Club in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, and so as Melissa mentioned, over the last two years, this task force has worked and collaborated to create these metrics and hopefully you know, their goal is for these metrics to become a common language among club managers, boards, and industry consultants. It's it's hopefully going to provide a really good foundational um, place for folks to start when they're looking at the financial components of their club. Um, so this white paper 
goes from, you know, examining financial performance over a period of time to monitoring the retention and attrition of a club's member base. Each of these KPIs serves as an important indicator of what approach a club really should take to sustain the expected standard of service and member experience. Um, this white paper is, as we mentioned, accompanied by a really extensive case study that exemplifies how these KPIs can and should be applied at a club. Um, Melissa and I, and I mentioned this in our interview, but we had the privilege of editing both of these pieces. And um, from the perspective of somebody who is not financially minded and not math forward in the way that my brain works, um, the case study was really, really helpful for me in sort of situating some of these what may seem like more complex or perhaps intimidating financial equations um, and, and showing how they can be applied in a very practical way. Um, both the white paper and the case study are available online. Um, the case study specifically is available exclusively to CMAA members, but you can go to cmaa.org slash club operations slash research go to our research section, you'll find yep. all of this information. Yep. Um, you'll get the white paper there and then you can be directed to the case study. Um, but that's enough from both of us. We are going to kick it over to our interview and sit down and chat with Michael and Julie, and they are going to give their expert thoughts on these KPIs. Well, we are thrilled to be talking about the key club performance indicators today with the two experts about this topic. Uh, and the culmination of a lot of work uh, that's been going uh, going on on this topic. So um, first off, uh, we'll give you a nice softball question. Julie, we'll start with you. How are how are you? How's your fall been? What have you been up to? Oh, well, you know, thanks for starting with me. Um, I was hoping you started with Michael, but that's okay. Um, fall has actually been fantastic for us. Um, of course, you know, here in Charlottesville, Virginia, we have UVA and the football team, and we've had a lot of a lot of membership coming out for the fall to attend what's going on here in Charlottesville. It's been super busy at the club. Um, can't complain about what all has been going on here. We expect it to continue on through the holiday season and, and into next year. So things are, are really looking up for uh, Farmington here in Charlottesville. That's awesome. And we heard that you just got back from BMI International in Scotland. So we hope that that trip was wonderful. Um, I did. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. They put on a fantastic program and uh, would definitely recommend BMI International to anybody if they've never been. All right. Sweet. Michael, how are how are things going for you down in Atlanta? I'm living in envy with Julie going to Scotland. I was not able to get off with that because I remember guests over that week. Uh, so uh, very much would like to go that and do that whole uh, trip. That'd be wonderful. Uh, very similar to what Julie's answer is from a standpoint of the club environment. Uh, um, they just all get out, member activities through the roof, um, just uh, get into the cycle of how we are approaching uh, Christmas season and what have you. And uh, uh, the ladies are making fun of Santa Claus. It's uh, hanging above my shoulder. It's, he lives in my uh, office year round. He doesn't come down when Christmas decorations go down. Um, but all's good. Um, uh, busy. It's always a good thing to be busy versus the opposite. So uh, it's awesome. That's a good problem to have. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we had visuals. share that Santa with everybody. I know. I maybe maybe I'll uh, take a little little snapshot before we're done today, so we can uh, attach the picture to our posts about this episode. Um, but diving into our conversation about the 
Um, I'm going to have to like really think about this name. Universal Key Club Performance Indicators White Paper. I have to think about all of those words every time I say it. Um, but Michael, we'll start with you. But can you talk to us a little bit about the project and sort of how this effort got started? Certainly. Um, you know, uh, every club has their own starting. You know, I'd like to talk about the club as being the cottage industry it is. And it is founded basically how the, the members see it. And so it's like in kind to every country has its own uh, constitution and bylaws. Well, every club has its own way of doing things too, and they're all different. And because they're all different, we're trying to look at commonalities and how to compare. And so um, lots of comparisons go out all the time about uh, how big you are, how small you are, how you do this and how you do that. But ultimately, let's cut through the chase and get down to the things that were really universal and how it kind of compare Julie's Club in Charlottesville to my club in Atlanta. Um, we're, we're larger clubs, but we're not very similar from a standpoint of how we operate. So how ultimately can you look at things like that and how can you compare? Um, and so we really boil it down to, to that part of what are the most universal things we can look at from afar. You don't have to be ever at uh, Farmington or at Cherokee to know about our clubs. You can look at our balance sheets. You can look at our history. And you can probably tell a story based upon those those data points. And so um, whether you're a city club or a golf club, if you're a big or small, it doesn't matter because these universal key uh, club uh, KPIs are things that boil it down to make it commonality. How can one club compare to another when everybody thinks because small and large don't compare? We'll boil it down to make sure it is something you can compare because they're all relative to your size. Julie? And definitely, it also helps with uh, trends within your own club. So if you're looking at these KPIs over time, um, looking at year over year over year, if you're trying to make certain goals, these KPIs can help you understand whether you're making those goals or whether you're heading in the right direction. So not only comparing to clubs maybe of like size or dissimilar size or function, um, but really taking a look at your, your own club and how you're managing financially and are you moving forward with that uh, financial picture in terms of the goals that you're trying to accomplish. So this, this ultimately is not a best practices situation right. because as we went through this with our, our um, task force, uh, a lot of conversations were wrapped around best practices, but this is not what this is all about. This is all about choices. So if you choose to be on one side of the KPI or the other side of the KPI, it really doesn't matter. Um, it tells its own story. We all have the same end goal. And that is we're here to make our members happy. We're here to perpetuate our membership. Uh, we're here to provide the, uh, the experiences, the member experiences that we would want to do. But how do we actually go about doing it may be somewhat different. So we're not trying to say this is how it has to be. We're just saying, well, if you choose to go down one path versus the other, there's a cause and effect. And so you can get to the same end, but it may be a different road, a different path. Absolutely. That's that's a, a great way to put it that, you know, one club may have a KPI that's one number and your club might be completely different as long as you understand why the number is and why it's calculating out to be what it is. And that's the goal that you're trying to accomplish, then then that's what you're looking at. You're not always necessarily looking at another club. If you're looking at another club and you're trying to reach a goal that they've reached, that might be a good benchmark. But if they're doing something completely different, you know, an example might be. Here at Farmington, we have guest rooms. At Cherokee, they do not. And that could impact the way that we're doing things here, which could then impact the way that we're looking at our KPIs. So it's not only um, insular to the particular club, 
and making sure that you're hitting your goals. It, it's also looking at the industry as a whole and understanding what those differences are so that you can move down that financial uh, stability track. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that um, Melissa and I had the, the privilege of editing the white paper and reading it through as well. So we're um, also intimately familiar with a lot of what's in there. Um, but I think you guys have both brought up a great point. You know, these, these KPIs, um, sort of take out a lot of the variables that are in place when you're looking, like you said, you know, you can't compare apples to apples, Farmington and, and Cherokee. Those, that's just not the same thing, but you can look at these KPIs and it sort of removes those variables from the equation and gives you something to look at that is useful um, when comparing two sets of data or, or like. So I, I really like this and I think these, these will be really, really helpful for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really important that when they're looking at these KPIs that they understand why they're looking at them. Mm -hmm. Do they have a specific goal that they're trying to accomplish? Are they trying to find a problem that might be there? You know, don't look at the KPIs just for the numbers. Uh, by themselves, they mean nothing. And even individually, the KPIs may not necessarily tell the whole picture, but a lot of these KPIs are intended to be looked at as whole combined together to understand the whole picture of what's going on. Context is very important. <laughs> very important. <laughs> well, awesome. Let's dive into these six KPIs. Um, first up, the net change in assets. So I'm going to take this one on. Um, net change in assets is basically, if you think about all the assets your club has, it's the, it's the year-end scorecard as to how, what, where are you? Um, and, and most clubs depreciate uh, what their assets are. And so really is that your change in assets is really what's on your books is what you have. And so ultimately it is the, that scorecard to say, what are they? And if you have uh, the inception of a brand new club and it's a $50 million uh, purchase, that would be the case. It is um, brand new, there's no depreciation. It looks spanking new, it's sparkly, it's all those different things. Um, if you take that same club and you fast forward 25 years and most of the assets are that $50 million club haven't been reinvigorated into that club, the net assets at that point in time um, have been depreciated over time. You don't have a $50 million number on your balance sheet. It's a lot less than that through the depreciation. And if you think about that, you think about what that club looks like uh, in 25 years compared to what it looked like 25 years ago, uh, you really understand for well what that really means is to the club, what it means to the membership, what it means to the member experience. Um, not that everything has to be always spanking new and, and uh, shiny and stuff like that, but you have to reinvigorate that into your club uh, as an owner. Think about it as your house. Buy your house and you never put a dime into your house after you buy it. What's it look like in 30 years when you paid your mortgage off? Is it worth the same amount of money? Uh, then as it was when you purchased it. Now it may be over time because it's appreciated, but what's it look like? What's it like to live in that house if you have not done anything to that house? And so you think of it in those types of case scenarios, um, think of your club in the same manner. As an owner, what do you do in your house and what do you have to do on your responsibility over time? Number two, the current ratio. Okay, I can, I can take that one. Uh, the current ratio is actually an extremely common uh, KPI. It's used pretty much in every business, everywhere, for everything. And to kind of put it in uh, layman's terms, it's just kind of a gut check on do you have enough 
uh, money to pay your bills on, a, on, on an ongoing basis. It's basically taking all your current assets and current assets are basically those things um, that you own that can be turned into cash pretty quickly and pretty readily, pretty readily, like cash, inventory, accounts receivables, those types of things, things that you use to then go pay your bills, um, divided by your current liabilities, which are those things that come due and are payable within one year, so in the very short term. So the current ratio basically takes a look at, are you generating enough cash, are you generating enough within your business or your club to be able to make sure that you can cover those uh, ongoing bills that you have. And it's kind of a gut check to make sure that you have enough cash flow coming through the company or through the club. There's plenty of different ways to look at this and plenty of different ratios to do this. One of the reasons we use this one is because one, it is common and it is used pretty much in every business and every finance organization everywhere. And it's extremely easy to calculate. If you take a look at your audited financial statements, every single one of them is going to have a line that says current assets and current liabilities. You simply divide the two together and you'll get a quick number. You know, take a look at that and compare it against other clubs of similar size or compare it against, you know, what you've done in the past and how you've done in the past can help you understand if you're really generating enough working capital to make sure that the club can run adequately. And uh, it's kind of a, a quick gut check, not really tended to be used by itself, but a, a nice way to get that good, quick, gut check to make sure that you're generating that kind of cash. And if you look at it on a quarterly basis as well as an annual basis, you'll be able to start to see how some of your cash flow might have issues during seasonality. So it's a good way to understand that and understand where some of your issues might be with cash. And if you're having trouble with cash in one part of the year and not another part of the year, the current ratio can certainly help you take a look at that and then give you clues and answers as to where you might want to dive into it to see where you might be constrained in your cash flow. Okay, throwing it back to you, Michael, with the change in full member equivalents. So when everybody looks at um, the clubs, you know, if somebody looks at how many members do you have? The number of members you have is not as important as how many full member equivalents ultimately you have. You might have um, 25 different categories of members, um, but yet each of them pay what percentage of the full dues or the full member uh, equivalent. And over time, that matters. And so when you think about some of these KPIs, you think about uh, how can I tell how healthy this club is? If your full member equivalent number is actually in decline over time, you have to scratch your head and start asking questions, why? What's going on here? Um, has there been a change in governance? Has there been a change in just total number of members? Uh, is it a shift from one category to another? Um, and it comes back down to some of the other KPIs that are on our, our, our list. If uh, we're, you're not reinvesting in your club, which was the first KPI, and you have your uh, change in net assets, you have that $50 million club, and you know 20 years later, you, it's not worth as much as it used to be, um, and your full member equivalents are in decline, um, you start adding some of these KPIs up together, you can tell a story that you might be starting the death spiral because you haven't reinvested in the club to keep the members there. And so over time, you know, a lot of clubs have caps uh, to their to full members. Uh, in total members or different categories. Um, and it's not so much you're trying to grow that number because a lot of the cap number is you're not gonna expand that or keep it moving on a regular basis. But if you have a cap and you operate within that cap, um, then your, your full member equivalents really shouldn't change over time too much. They'll ebb and flow a little bit with the uh, senior emeritus and other types of things. But when you look at those uh, that ratio and you look at the, uh, the full member equivalents over time, it does tell a story. If you're consistent over time, great. Um, if you were not at your cap 
10 years ago and your full member equivalents are going up, uh, you may have an, uh, a different uh, accessibility problem uh, going on at your club because now you have more members at the club, more uh, doing. Your financial picture may be better because now you have full, more full member equivalents paying in. So your effectiveness of your dues and then ultimately the next, uh, the, the last ratio we're gonna talk about in a little bit is, is what is your dues ratio to total operating income? Um, it will be affected by your FME count if it's going up or going down over time from that standpoint. So it's a great litmus test to look at if it's changing, if it's static it's and it's actually at your cap, it's great. If it's static and low, you've had a problem for a long time. Um, so when it moves and ebbs and flows, it kind of tells you where you are um, financially and overall health of the club um, can be really seen through this ratio. I just keep thinking of the patterns that you're, you know, that, that how much value there is in, in using these to create and understand the patterns that you're seeing amongst all these numbers. Um, up next for Julie, the debt to equity ratio. Uh, yeah, Michael said, uh, stuck me with all the technical ratios. So. Yeah, he did, he did, I was gonna say. I, I can so, tell what this uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> delegator I am. Yeah, that's Absolutely. such a good leadership <laughs> skill, pick, Michael. So, my fault, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the debt to equity ratio, um, before going into that, I like to let people kind of get a picture and an understanding of their balance sheet. Most of the time when you look at a balance sheet, you have your assets on one side or the left-hand side of the screen of your page, and then you have your liabilities and equity on the right-hand side of your page. And the way I like to tell people to look at that is, or of course, your assets are the things that you own. If you look at the right-hand side of your balance sheet, you have uh, the liabilities and equity. Well, that's how you paid for it. So what you own is on the left side and how you paid for it is on the right side. So liabilities are things that you paid for with somebody else's money. Um, creditors, uh, vendors, those different types of things, or things that are even payroll that you might own to your, owe to your employees, whereas the equity is the amount of, that, of your assets that has been paid for by your members. Ultimately, all of that needs to be paid by your members. So if you're looking at that debt to equity ratio, you're looking at as a function of how much has been paid by your members, how much uh, do you have in debt? So what's the percentage of debt that you you have on your books as a function of how much your members is paid, members have paid. So clearly you don't want to have a situation where your balance sheet is very, very heavy on debt. In other words, you're borrowing from other people to pay for your, your assets or the things that you have in your club. Uh, that's going to get um, into a bad situation pretty quickly. But understanding that balance and understanding where you want that percentage to be, that percentage of debt as a function of equity and understanding what that means, that that means is how much is being paid for by somebody else and how much are being paid for by your members. So you wanna make sure that you're looking at in terms of converting that debt over to equity over time, such that it's paid for by the members, which is gonna go right back to that KPI that um, Michael was talking about, which was the net assets over time. You know, as that is being paid for by the members, um, that number is gonna grow, which makes it so that you can reinvest that money back into your club. So that's a way that those two KPIs can work together to really help you understand where some of your um, opportunities, risks, and threats might be within your financial statements. Okay, Michael, back to you with the dues to operating revenue KPI. And this is, Thank you, uh, Melissa. So, so due to operating income, how do you derive your income to pay for the ex member experience that you uh, want to provide? Um, do you, the higher the number, ultimately, as you get into ratios, 
Um, the more you're putting on to everybody in an equitable way, they pay all in equally, if you will, um, to say that if it's a 60% ratio of total operating income, um, uh, dues to operating income, that's a high ratio. Uh, 50% percentile is kind of an, uh, a benchmark norm in the middle of the, of the whole thing. If you're on the 40 percentile, you're, you're less um, reliant upon dues to pay and fund your ultimate member experience. Um, there's not a wrong answer in any of these things, as we as said before. Um, if you're on the high side, you're less reliant upon uh, outside business, um, banquet revenues, uh, a la carte revenues, golf revenues, guest revenues, all those different things come into play. If you're on the low side, you actually need more activities uh, that actually generate the, the other uh, income to in order to, again, provide that member experience uh, from that standpoint. And this kind of goes, goes with the full member uh, equivalents as well. Again, if you are a full club and you are at your cap and your dues ratio is at 40%, um, you're making a choice to make sure that you, you need an awful lot of activity to pay your bills. And if over time you used to be at 60% and now it's 40% and your full member equivalents have gone from full to less than full, again, it tells you that story of where you are and where you've been, you're becoming more and more um, reliant upon outside sources, not just member dues in order to pay for your member experience. Uh, and so this is how these, rate, these uh, KPIs kind of intermingle back and forth, as Julie said, not every one of them can be looked at in itself and tell one story because there's always choices to be made uh, in all of them. And so uh, during the pandemic, I think this was a huge uh, um, exposure to a lot of people. If you're on the low side of your dues to total operating revenue and say you had a pretty robust banquet business and as everybody knows through the pandemic, banquet business wasn't around. If you have Monday golf outings and they, those were kind of stopped and all of a sudden you're, you're holding the bill um, for all of that, uh, to pay for your member experience, you most likely are going to end up in an operating statement in the red, uh, in that given situation. The flip side is if you had a dues ratio of 60% at that point in time during the pandemic, you're probably sitting pretty, uh, because of all those other things were taken away, but you're not relying upon them to pay the bills. The members are paying those bills, um, and footing the, uh, the bills in order for to fund that member experience. Um, totally different choices. On a normal case scenario, you probably end up in the same situation where you're making your members happy. But again, it's not a best practice whole uh, situation. It's choices in which you make. If you're a 60 or 40, there's nothing wrong with either one of them, which would probably end up in the same place. There are risks involved on the low side um, through the pandemic. On the high side, you're probably uh, less, risk, uh, less risky, if you will. And Julie, you get the final one. Tell us about net PPE, that property, plant, and equipment. This is actually my one of my favorite uh, KPIs because it's the one that you can literally see with your eyes. And I can go into any club, look around, and make a pretty good eyeball guess as to what this KPI is going to be. And that's because basically it's, it's saying how much of your assets are depreciated that you have not replenished. So whenever you buy something and you put it on your on your uh, balance sheet, you're going to depreciate it over time, whatever uh, life useful life that you've set on it. Um, to the extent that you are not reinvesting in your club and, and replacing those assets, and those assets are continuing to depreciate, the percentage of your undepreciated um, assets is going to go down. So the, you you have say you have assets of uh, 
hundred or a million dollars and it's been four years and now the net value of that is only $250,000, not much different than the KPI when we were looking at the net assets over time. Um, it, you're going to go be able to walk into that clubhouse and you're going to be able to see stuffing coming out of the couches because they haven't been replaced or curtains that are starting to fray at the ends or um, fixtures from the 1960s that haven't been replaced and haven't been brought forward. So you're really going to be able to see the difference between the club that has a much higher um, percentage of uh, property plant and equipment that hasn't been depreciated uh, versus one that's almost fully depreciated because that a club that has a high net PP&E is reinvesting in their club constantly and continuously to make sure that their assets are fresh and new, which go a long, long way toward um, that member service and uh, member experience that, that the members like to see. I mean, I, I, the, the telling the story and the value, I mean, I know, I know we generally you know, associate numbers with just being numbers and being about dollars in, dollars out. But obviously looking at the whole system of KPIs is going to really create that story for your club. So tell us a little bit about how you and CMA are working to get the word out about this white paper, certainly outside of the podcast. <laughs> well, uh, last year at World Conference, uh, me, Michael, and Ray Cronin all together uh, did a session um, at World Conference last year, and we're going to do another one this year to try to do a follow-up on that. Uh, one of the things that we did with the white paper was that, uh, with the assistance of uh, Ray Cronin, um, we built a case study to try to utilize the KPIs to help people understand how they might be used or how you might look at them and be able to then judge within your own organization how these KPIs could be used, looking at three different types of clubs, um, you know, prominent clubs to maybe not so prominent clubs or midline clubs. So you can see some kind of commonality to your club somewhere within that case study. Um, but and again, this podcast is certainly another way we're trying to get that out. And I think word of mouth is going to be huge, um, trying to get out there and help people learn how to uh, run these KPIs, whether they get help from their external accountant, whether they uh, work with their controllers or CFOs to get it out there, but um, club to club kind of talking to each other in our network to help get the, the word out there that these are out there and they're available and they're going to help you find a way to grow your club um, using the information that you already have. And so, so Thinking about then, you know, we're getting the word out, we're sharing the, the white paper, we're sharing the case study, and FYI to our listeners, both of those things are available to you on CMAA's website, <laughs> and we'll be sure to share the link <laughs> in this podcast and in our show notes. Um, but thinking about that, you know, ultimately, what effect, you know, do you think it will have in the club world if these KPIs are embraced and applied across the board? I think it's uh, you're talking about the overall health of the club world um, built up by each individual club who looks at these KPIs, acknowledges their use and how it applies to their particular situation and the choices they've made. And if you don't like what you see, as Julie says, uh, and her ratios you're talking about uh, uh, net PP&E and also line up with the net change of assets. If you if you have a declining balance sheet and your net PP and ratio is under 50%, maybe it's 30%, and you don't like that whole thing, it really it shows it's an illustrative way to get a message across. If you want something different, there are methodologies in order to get out of that uh, rut, if you will. 
mm -hmm. uh, from that standpoint. So uh, how it's going to help the club world is going to be starting from how it's going to help each, each individual club. And for the managers, and this is what we're really about, the Club, club Management Association is, is educating our members about how this works and to get everybody to be more um, tech savvy, more KPI savvy, to make sure they can walk into their, uh, their board meetings and know a lot about what we're talking about here, more so than it did yesterday. Now, ultimately, we're here to educate ourselves as to how can we apply this at home? How can we apply this to your clubs? And it helps with the messaging and the and resonation to uh, what you see, and here's what it means, and here's how you get out of it. If you're how you change your choices in order to have an, out, an outcome that's somewhat different than you're seeing today. Definitely. And, and I'm hoping that over time, as we get the word out and people start learning how to use these KPIs and learning what they mean for their club, starting to hear some success stories saying, hey, here, I use these KPIs to figure out what was going on. We made these changes and we watched this KPI change to where we wanted it to go. And now our club is doing this. We have more money for capital spending. We are spending less of our initiation fees on operations, you know, whatever the goal might be that using these KPIs to understand what the problem is that they might have and making those changes to a more positive change in the future. Um, I, I think if we can be successful at it within the next five to 10 years, we should be able to hear those success stories and see a lot more positive financial uh, stories from various different clubs large, small, or indifferent, in we should uh, be able to see some people making some changes. I like, I like also the one thing we led uh, with the um, uh, at conference education was mm -hmm. raise your hand if you are looking for a job, have looked for a job, or may look for a job in the future. Um, <laughs> this is a way that you can actually look at a club and you can see the story behind the history of the club. Forget what the search committee is telling you. Because <laughs> I may be telling you something totally different than what you can see on paper. And so you can see their history and you can actually come into a, uh, an interview. And maybe they have the best potential that you really can imagine in a club world, but maybe it's not in the right position today and they need this change coming forward. You can walk into an interview process and you can start talking about the history of the club and start asking questions like you've already been at the club for years because you can see it on their balance sheet over time of how they've actually run the club. And so you walk in with that type of expertise and they're gonna look at you like, wow, it's like you've always been here. I mean, fact, you're genius, all these different things. So in a sense, that also is an individual type of success story because we as at, uh, managers, we, are, we should be walking in with that type of um, um, accounting savvy, business savviness to walk into there and, and stand up for yourself and say, this is what I'm gonna bring to the table because I can tell, I can read the tea leaves balance sheet over time, reading tea leaves, same thing. Um, and that's ultimately what I think can really be helpful for people because ultimately when you think about with them, what's in it for the manager coming into the seminar, it's in for them because ultimately they know more about what they're talking about and they can see because it's a fact. This is not an opinion. It's a fact. This is how it's been done. The questions of how it was done maybe something that may you may not understand through the balance sheets and, and the kpis over time but those are the questions you can ask in an interview and they'll, they'll think you're a genius it, that, that's really true that is one of the things we thought of when we were doing this um because i've heard from many managers before starting a new job they're like wow i, I wish i had known you know what kind of financial state that they were in and what this was um you know going in with your eyes open is huge and one of the reasons we picked the kpis that we did is the grand majority of them can be calculated directly from the audited financial statements and precious few clubs don't have either audited or reviewed statements. So 
it's something you can say, hey, let me see your statements, take them back, run these calculations, and you can very quickly know and understand what the financial position of that club is so that you're not making a decision blind. You're actually making a conscious decision knowing what it is you're taking on and getting into and how you might be able to change it when going forward. Some ideas, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I think these KPIs really do support the fact that, you know, one of our core competencies is that, you know, financial management and accounting piece. It's something that we strive to educate all of our, our managers on on a regular basis. And these KPIs can really just help in, um, improve our managers, you know, financial literacy overall, especially when it comes to looking at these statements from clubs. And as somebody who doesn't have a background in finance or accounting <laughs> and hates numbers personally, um, and I know Melissa agrees with me, numbers are the worst. Um, no, it's not rocket science. It's really easy. <laughs> it's really not. And it really happens. Exactly. And I think that this, this white paper and these KPIs really do make what can feel like an intimidating or unapproachable um, you know, subject matter much more approachable and much easier to understand and eventually compute and look at and go, oh, actually, I do understand, you know, what these tea leaves are saying to me. I, I see the story present here because I can apply these KPIs to, to the numbers that I have in front of me. So I think that's really fantastic. And that's really the reason why we, we hesitated to send out the KPIs as it was first published out for public comment. And why we did the first round of um, conference education, one of the breakout sessions we did two years ago uh, that I did. Um, and that is, if you read just the, the, the KPI white paper itself, it's quite technical. Oh, yes. Confirmed. But the case study comes with it. It really, it dumbs it down and, and say, can you, can you give me the illustrated version? Can you give me the abridged version versus mm -hmm. the unabridged version? Can you really spell it down? And what, what Can you paint the picture for me better? So they kind of marry themselves. If you're a techno savvy, you're an accountant person and, and the likes, uh, you, you'll, you'll be good with both. But if you're not, the, the case study really spells it out for you in a, in a much easier way to understand because it shows you what it looks like. Absolutely. And like I said, I've had the pleasure of reading both, and I can <laughs> confirm that the case study does provide um, that, that, like you said, that illustrated version, that context that's like, oh, this is how these things are applied in a real-life setting. I get it now. Instead of trying to, you know, conceptualize all of these things in this nebulous space of numbers. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, the white paper has way more than the, the six KPIs that we went over here today. Um, there are lots of different ones. Those, those, those six are kind of the, the board level, you know, mm -hmm. kind of the entry level KPIs that you do and the case study goes over those. So as managers start to look at those and get comfortable with those and really start to understand them and, and utilize them within their clubs and they go back to the white paper and start digging into some of those other KPIs and really become KPI experts, um, hopefully in future. That's the goal. That's what we want. Next task force. There you go. <laughs> Are you volunteering to lead that? I think that's what I heard. No, I was talking about the new people that. Oh, get into the, the, yeah, yeah, the next crew, the next crew, the next crew. <laughs> You're already volunteering someone else to do it. That's there what you go. <laughs> exactly that fallen told kind of story. Yes. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, oh, well. I, I feel like the summary has to be that this could absolutely revolutionize the way people are thinking about. Um, Club operations and decisions and numbers. We hope. Uh, yeah. Very much so. And 
how do you get change in the club? You know, you just, if you don't like what it is, and if you're not very successful at it, sometimes um, you got to get close to bankruptcy or going out of business. Or you can't uh, sustain your membership in order to make change. Uh, hopefully this makes a difference. So you don't have to get that close to going out of business to make uh, some meaningful change within your club. Yeah. And, you know, if it still looks overwhelming to different managers, I suggest, you know, pick one KPI, learn about it, become familiar with it. Um, net assets over time is a great one to, to kind of, you know, it's like the overall scorecard, like Michael said, take a look at that and kind of watch how your business is going, get comfortable with that one KPI and then move on to the next. It, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, it all starts with the first step and, you know, just pick something and start there and, we're all here to answer questions if anybody has any questions. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. Um, I think this will offer our listeners a really great breakdown of the white paper, the case study, and those six kind of top tier KPIs that are included um, within. Um, and, you know, we will be sure to share your information with our listeners. So like you said, Julie, if people do have questions, you know, they can reach out to the experts. Um, but also, you know, huge thanks to the two of you and the task force for the time and the work that you've put in on this effort. Um, I do think, as Melissa said, this has the potential to be pretty revolutionary um, and will hopefully create a really lasting impact over the next several years. So thank you for so, so much for your contributions to the association and uh, to your peers in the industry. Happy to do it. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. We had a good group. That's for yeah, thank you for the opportunity to, to speak about it, too. Of course, anytime. We're always happy to have experts come on because it sounds so much better coming from the, you know, the people who, who worked on the project instead of Melissa and I trying to, you know, <laughs> soft, soft shoe our way through explaining numbers at any point. It's really not a great option. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that was a great conversation. Like, I think I said several times in that interview that their work on this project made, like I said, very complicated stuff a lot more easy for me to understand. <laughs> um, I'm very appreciative of the work that Michael and Julie and this task force has put in to create this resource. And I'm hopeful that our members really take advantage of, um, of this and, and start using it. Uh, we mentioned that they will be speaking on this at World Conference, which is a great segue into some of our announcements. Um, <laughs> we do have a couple of big things coming up, as I mentioned at the top of the show. But Melissa, why don't you talk about the most exciting thing that's happening well, right now? Before before we dive into World Conference, I do just want to remind everybody that you know October 31st is coming up fast mm. and furious, and that is the end of uh, the 2022 CMA membership year. So it will be scary without you in the new year, <laughs> and it will be scary for you to move forward without CMA in your as a, a resource for you in the coming year. So please. Um, Go directly to our website, click My CMAA, log in, take care of that. It takes about five minutes. Make sure all your information is up to date and uh, and renew that membership because we want to have you with us in 2023. We're always here for a little Halloween joke. <laughs> we are. I'm, I'm we saying are. We're, that never gets old. That never nope. gets old. All right. So beyond the fact that it is reaching the end of our membership year, um, you know, we just announced the registration opening for our 2023 World Conference and Club Business Expo. We are really, really excited um, to, again, be getting back together with everyone in person in 
sunny Orlando, Florida. Uh, we're heading down there. We're going to, you know, bask in the Florida sun and take a little break from day-to-day -day responsibilities at clubs, at our offices. Um, and really, what did, how did you word it, Melissa? Stock up on vitamin C, M, A, and A, which I think is really exactly. cute. <laughs> exactly. And I, I will tell you, last week I was in Orlando with our... Um, with several members of our membership and events team. And, you know, this property is beautiful. The amount of natural light uh, is amazing. And it was a little cool last week and that's okay, but um, it was beautiful. Um, you know, we had the opportunity not only to, to tour the Gaylord Palms, which is just a perfect setup for our, our event, you know, all under one roof, which is, is beautiful, but, you know, and to head out to a couple of spots, not only to visit Universal City Walk, where we'll be having our networking event. Exciting. Um, but also to the site of the Club Foundation's golf tournament. Um, beautiful, beautiful location. So um, definitely check out. Uh, you'll be getting, if you're a CMA member, you'll be getting a brochure in the mail. Um, but definitely visit cma.org backslash conference. Uh, we couldn't cram all the good stuff into that brochure. So there's a lot more, you know, to focus on. We'll, and we'll obviously be sharing more as we move forward into the new year. But definitely go ahead, book your registration, book your hotel, and stock up on the, on the, the essential vitamins to advancing <laughs> your career. As Melissa said, you know, there will be more information um, coming to you over the next several weeks and months um, before we head down to Florida at the end of February. Um, but first thing, like check out the November, December issue of Club Management Magazine when that hits your mailbox. We have a really nice conference preview spread in there talking about some of our featured speakers. Um, I'm really excited about our speaker lineup this year. There are two speakers that I'm like, like coming out of my skin about um one is an athlete and one is a chef and both of them i'm just like super super excited to hear from um so we've got a great lineup for you guys this year so keep an eye on stuff head over to our website cma.org conference and register today don't miss your opportunity to join us all right one more announcement before we sign off for this episode as we mentioned, we are coming up on the last quarter of the year. We're in it to win it. And as we get closer to the holiday season, you know, there's a lot of things on people's minds. Things get busy. We're all, you know, starting to fill our schedules up um, and we're thinking about gift giving and buying, but it's also important for us to remember the opportunity to engage in some charitable giving as well. Um, we, for the last several years at CMAA, have participated in Giving Tuesday, where we have encouraged our members and our industry partners to give generously to the club foundation. This year, Giving Tuesday falls on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, which is November 29th. Uh, we will be obviously sharing more information with you across all of our channels, whether that's social media and email or our website, um, about the ways that you can give to the Club Foundation on Giving Tuesday. But we also encourage you to think about just your end of year giving plans more broadly. Um, between Giving Tuesday and the end of the year, that's a, that's a month. That's a month where you can plan out your charitable donations. And obviously, we encourage you to consider the Club Foundation in those donations um, as the Club Foundation does a lot of great work uh, for our industry at large, but also just our members 
very specifically. Um, you probably know someone who's received a scholarship from the Club Foundation or has has had some kind of benefit if you are not a scholarship recipient yourself. Um, but they've they've made a huge impact, and we hope to support them and continuing to do so as the years go forward. So um, stay tuned for more information about that and mark your calendars for November 29th, Giving Tuesday. Um, I think that's everything for us, Melissa. I don't think I have anything else that I need to pontificate about. Do you? Not not today, We, but we've got <laughs> not lots today. planned. Not, to, not today, but we've got lots planned for November. So stay back, uh, you know, check back with us. We got a lot of things going on in the legislative and, le and regulatory arena. So we're going to touch that and, and talk a little bit about that next month. Um, so it's been, as always, fabulous talking with you, Kyle. Always. Yes. Thank you, Melissa. It's such a pleasure. Um, happy Halloween. <laughs> happy Halloween. <laughs> happy and, Halloween. Uh, happy end of the membership year. And until November, um, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. We're signing off. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org. Dot org.